Hi friends, I'm Katie Brinkley and you're listening to Rocky Mountain Marketing. With nearly two decades helping business owners, consultants, and coaches with their digital marketing, I know that social media can be an incredible tool to grow your business when you know how to do it the right way. And that's what we're going to do today. I teach you how to navigate the world of entrepreneurship and digital marketing, and hopefully you'll grow your business with a few great tips you wouldn't have known otherwise, and maybe even discover a great local business you love. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to this week's episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing. And this episode has been one I feel like I was going through my list of who I would love to have on the show, and then I was like, my goodness, I haven't had him on yet. And how we met was I was a guest on his show way back in the days of Clubhouse. And my guest this week is Larry Roberts. Yes, the Larry Roberts, the man in the red hat. Larry has been making himself a household name within the podcasting industry. So he speaks on stages, man, all over the, the nation, but now he's going global. You might have seen him at PodFest. You could have seen him at Podcast Movement. And he's hosted a number of shows that have always gone up into the 1.5% of top podcasts. But really what has been a game changer for Mr. Larry Roberts in 2023 is AI. In January of 2023, he took the main stage at PodFest and talked all about AI, how it is changing the world, how it is changing the podcasting industry. And now he's been on TV. He's speaking. We were just talking before we hit record here. He's speaking in Arkansas, Tampa, then Fort Worth and San Diego, all within the next few weeks. So he is just jet setting all over the world because he's been seen as one of the top thought leaders in the AI space. And he's teaching workshops, hoaxing speaking engagements. I'm really excited to have Larry on the show today to talk a little AI with us because let's be real folks, 2023 is the year of AI. I had been kind of taking a, a stance of, I don't want a computer to do my work for years. And then all of a sudden 2023 comes and well, you're not using a computer to help you. Well, you're crazy. And Larry, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and taking some time out of your busy, busy schedule to talk a little AI with us because, again, it is changing the way that we do business, the way that jobs are being handled, the way that we're creating social media, websites, digital marketing, everything. So thank you so much for joining me on the show today. This is awesome. I appreciate you having me. And Katie, you're right, man. AI is literally changing everything. There's not a day that goes by that I'm not buried into ChatGPT or there's a couple of other tools I use out there, but man, I'm kind of almost like a ChatGPT purist. It's kind of funny because I was giving a talk last week at one of the ISDs here in Texas. And at the end of my talk, I actually I went off for like an hour and five minutes. It was insane. But I still saved some time for Q&A. But one of the teachers that was there was like, yeah, I got to ask you just for fun. How much of this talk was generated by AI? And I was like, well, if I'm going to be honest with you, the vast majority of it I created using ChatGPT and AI. Because for one, I was talking to 150 teachers. I'm not an educator. And I'm here to talk about how AI is impacting education and what the future of education looks like with AI. But as someone that doesn't have that background, I had to do a lot of research. So where did I go? 
Well, I went to my friend Chad GPT and I did my homework and I did my research and the vast majority of that talk ended up coming from Chad GPT. Now with the Chad GPT is kind of your favorite. There's a lot of other ones that are kind of starting to come out. I mean, we have Google Bard. Sure. I can only use it for my personal, when I'm logged into my personal Gmail account. I can't use it when I'm logged into my Next Step Social account. I don't know why on that. But, I mean, there's Google Bard. There's ChatGT. There's another one. I want to say it's like Mo, Mojite or something. I don't know. It seems like there's more that are coming yeah. out. yeah. Every single day. Is there a better one than another? Is there a certain Google Bard? Is that better for search, like current type of questions? And then ChatGPT is better for content creation. What are your thoughts on these different AI tools out on the market right now? Well, we're seeing everybody evolve each and every day. And right now, ChatGPT is by far the forerunner, especially if you're using ChatGPT4, if you're a paid subscriber and you get access to GPT+. However, one that you didn't mention, and it might be the one you were trying to think of, that has become another favorite of mine is Claude. Claude 2 actually is out. I've been playing with that recently, and don't tell ChatGPT that I've been cheating on him, but I'm digging what Claude is doing. It is really great for some real natural language type of responses, and a lot of times as content creators, that's what we're looking for is natural language that sounds like us when we're putting out our content as podcasters, as bloggers, as writers, it's very difficult to use some of these tools because quite often you'll ask a question or you'll enter a prompt and it's going to give you a response, but it's going to sound kind of cold, kind of static, kind of robotic. And that's one of the things that I work with, with a lot of clients on is getting these tools to sound like you. But man, with Claude, I went over there and was playing with that and I was literally blown away at the fact that it literally sounded like I was just having a conversation. And I didn't have to do any fine-tuning on my own to get Claude to sound. And it didn't sound like me, but it just sounded human in its responses. And I think that's one of the benefits that we're seeing from all of these different tools that are coming out of the market, whether it be Bard, whether it be ChatGPT or Claude or the host of others that are out there. Everybody's competing to kind of stand out. Everybody's competing to evolve and make it feel more human and the ones that are standing out, the ones that are getting the attention are the ones that are doing that best. And that's why you're still hearing Chad GPT-4. That's why Claude's starting to claw way up the ladder there. But sites like Google and Bard, they're kind of behind a little bit as far as the progression of their AI and their large language models go. Recently, Google has invested a ton of money to launch a, a new large language model, and hopefully that we're going to see some results from that in the near future. But at the same time, everybody is also developing new and improved methodologies. ChatGPT, or actually OpenAI, I think it was two weeks ago, they just filed for the patent for GPT-5. So we don't have a lot of details as to what that's going to look like, but you can bet that it's going to be massively improved. The language model is going to be considerably larger. They're starting to talk about things like getting emotion involved in the evolution of these tools as well. So it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. But right now, I think it's still just the game is wide open for somebody to come in there and really take over. Literally, I think it was yesterday or day before yesterday, I saw an article that came up and it was big news and that they're predicting that OpenAI will be bankrupt by the end of 2024 because running these large language models and processing all of this data and processing all these responses... It all costs money, and it's super, super expensive to do it. So 
Are we going to see some changes on the horizon as far as our accessibility to some of these tools? I don't know. But what I do know is that more and more companies are coming on. More and more companies are getting involved. NVIDIA, which traditionally is a graphics company. Everybody has NVIDIA graphics processors in their PCs or their, I believe NVIDIA is even in Macs. Don't get me to lie in there, though. I've never been a Mac guy. But NVIDIA is huge in that space. They're also huge in the AI space. And they've got a ton of new things that they're coming out with. They've got AI-based processors and AI-based chips that they're coming. I mean, it's just... It's nuts. We're going to continue to see things evolve at a very, very rapid pace going forward. I think, Larry, you say like there's so many different tools out there like Claude. And there's a different one than I was thinking of too. But now, okay. since you brought Claude up, that's where I'm like, hmm, well, it, there, there's more coming out. And even LinkedIn just recently said that they're incorporating AI visuals into their native platform. So you can enter in prompts and create your own AI graphics to go along with your social media posts. And it's just mind blowing to me that this is happening so fast. I mean, yeah. at the time of this recording, it is August, 2023. And I went from like, well, I don't know about having a computer and helping me to now I'm like, okay, well, I need to learn some prompts for my LinkedIn post. I think that that is one of the really important parts is the prompts because yeah. I can tell when somebody has just literally copy and pasted something from ChatGPT for their social media posts, calling all entrepreneurs, attention, small <laughs> business owner. That is not a hook. It is a clear giveaway that you're just literally copying and pasting something from ChatGPT. First, I want yeah. you to talk about some of the different ways that ChatGPT or Bard or, or Claude, whatever, in addition to content creation, because that's mostly what I use it for is kind of generating ideas. I'll use it for quick cast episode titles. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a quick cast on the latest Instagram update and it'll help me generate SEO bound titles. So these are different ways that I'm using it, but it's really all kind of based on the content creation side of digital marketing. Sure. How are some other ways for people who aren't using, using ChatGPT for their social media or content marketing? What are some other ways that you could use these these AI, ChatGPT, Bard, Claude, and the other name that I can't think of? <laughs> <laughs> well, content creation is really at the root of what these tools do really, really well. But we have to remove ourselves from thinking that content creation is just social media. It can help us write books. It can help us write blog posts. It can help us write marketing copy. Anything that's text-based is what these tools excel at. But one of the things that gets overlooked a lot, and I just want to back it up just for a second, if you don't mind, is that you and I, we sit here and we have this assumption, and maybe I'm just assuming that you have the same assumption. There's a lot of assuming going on, very meta there. But I was blown away at the Pew Research Center. They had a study that they did that they released back in June. And it blew my mind to see just how many people are not using AI. We see it because we're in this content creation space every day. We see it every day because we're in the digital marketing space every day. So we kind of get blinded by the fact that everybody's using it. But it was interesting because based on this research from the Pew Research Center, I mean, very reputable organization, only 58% of U.S. adults have even heard of ChatGPT. That's a mind-blowing statistic. Only 58% of people have even heard of it. And out of that 58%, only, get this, only 14% have actually tried it. 
So there's a lot of people running around. They've heard about it. They know this AI stuff's taking over, and they're waiting for the Terminators to come around the corner. But one, that's never going to happen from this perspective. And two, the vast majority have never used it. So for us to assume that so many people are using it in different ways that they can use it, we need to... I think still continue down that education path of just letting people know that they can use it, that it can be used for all of these things, that it can be used to write your blog post, to write your book, to write any kind of copy that you can imagine. I'm working with a client right now where we're literally uploading his blogs. He has 200 blog posts that we're uploading to ChatGPT so that ChatGPT can understand his voice, understand his tonality, understand his take on entrepreneurship. And we're going to take that those 200 blog posts and use those to write his book. So that takes us into the repurposing mind frame right there. He's going to repurpose years and years worth of blog content to write a book. I mean, that's pretty amazing. But if we go a little bit deeper, something else that tends to get overlooked on ChatGPT are the plugins. Now, if you're a ChatGPT Plus user, you have access to plugins. Now, what are plugins? Plugins are basically third-party, meaning they're created by someone else, third-party applications that you can plug into ChatGPT and do all of these things that people tend to complain about ChatGPT not being able to do. There's plugins that will allow you to browse the internet real-time because ChatGPT, its data set only goes through November of 2021. So how do we get current information? Well, we can turn to plugins. Plugins give us all that functionality. One of the coolest plugins out there right now is Zapier. I don't know if you're familiar with Zapier, but Zapier is an automation platform that connects to nearly 6,000 different other platforms out there where you can set up processes that automate everything you're doing. Now you have Zapier that you can plug into ChatGPT where you can write the content, that triggers a zap. That's what they call these Zapier automations. That triggers a zap and then it can write it to your Google Docs, it can write it to your Gmail, it can send it to your email list, all from within ChatGPT. So what's the functionality of ChatGPT really right now? It's almost limitless because there's over 800 of these plugins. A lot of them do similar things. A lot of them really aren't that great. But if you do your homework, there are some that are mind-blowing that are out there that I highly recommend you start leveraging those as well. Okay, so wait, stop. Yeah, I can't. I, you are... get me going and I get on. I, know, I'm just, I, know, I, I get know, up I there. I, I, <laughs> I get excited. I know. Well, and I mean, like, that's like me with social media. I'm yeah. getting so excited and I want to just say all the things. Yeah. But, well, so with that, plugins. <laughs> What are some of your favorite plugins for ChatGPT? I actually was going to pull mine up here because I use, let me pull it up so I can actually say exactly which one it is. My plugins that are my favorite, I only used four and I had no idea that there was like 600 of them. Yeah. I use WebPilot. Yep. WebPilot's amazing. KeyMateSearch.ai or KeyMate.ai search. And that's search and browse the web by using Google search results. And then I use Prompt. Perfect, which start your prompt with perfect to craft the perfect prompt every time. Those are all three amazing. Those are three of my top plugins. There's a couple of others that I use. Well, I'm definitely a huge fan of Zapier, obviously. Wolfram is great for entrepreneurs as well. If you're needing to do high level calculations or data analysis, Wolfram is amazing. There's a variety of other ones that are great for reading PDFs. So I think AI PDF is the one that I use now. I used to use a different one, but then they started charging me for it. So I said, I'm not going to use that no more because that's something you have to be careful with. These plugins, once they establish a foothold and people are using them, they go, oh, 
<laughs> we're not giving this away for free anymore. We're going to set up a subscription model. So now you end up 20 bucks for ChatGPT, 20 bucks for this plugin, 20 bucks for that plugin. Yeah. Next thing you know, you, you got these payment plans going on and you're spending hundreds of dollars a month to use ChatGPT. So I tend to avoid those. But I highly recommend that you find a PDF reader plugin as well. Because as I'm sure you've probably seen, Katie, that there's limitations to the amount of data that we can input into ChatGPT and get back. And I'm not going to get into the tokenization and how all that works, but there's a limit to what you can do. With these PDF readers, you can actually analyze entire documents. So regardless of the length of the PDF, you can use a PDF reader plugin into ChatGPT and have ChatGPT summarize that PDF plugin. That's exactly how we're writing the book with the blogs. Is we consolidated all the blogs into one PDF, use a PDF reader to write the outline of the book, and then we go from there. There's definitely ways that you can get around some of these limitations, and that's where the benefit of these plugins come into play. With all of these different plugins, making a book, it's just mind-blowing to me, all the possibilities. And one of the things that you, I want to talk about prompts, okay. because I use Prompt Perfect, but I, honestly, I rarely use it. I feel like I have a pretty good prompt system down. For those people who are listening and they're like, I really haven't used all this, but you guys are making me really excited and really interested in possibly deciding to use AI sure. and just tinkering with it. How do you write good prompts so that you don't end up with posts like attention all entrepreneurs that <laughs> sounds really robotic? Right. Right? Well, one of the things that you do is you have to get out there and you have to play with the tool. You're not going to get amazing results right out of the gate. And even me now, I'm a big believer in iterative prompting. So you prompt it to get a certain result. You're not all that keen on the result. So you copy the result and you rewrite a prompt to now tweak the content that you got back. So for instance, Katie, you keep referring to attention all entrepreneurs. Well, take that attention all entrepreneurs post, copy that, and then tell ChatGPT what you don't like about it. Literally just say rewrite the following, but remove all the attention entrepreneurs. Quit making it so obvious. Emojis. Yeah, <laughs> lose the 82 emojis because it does get emoji happy for sure. But that's one of the biggest things. Understand that you can use iterative prompts. Build on your prompts. That's a huge help there. Keep in mind, too, and this is what I tell everybody when I'm talking about ChatGPT. ChatGPT is a brilliant toddler. It knows everything. <laughs> But it has no idea about emotion. It has no idea about tonality. It has no idea about context. So when we're writing these prompts, we have to write it specifically outlining exactly how we want this output to look and how we want it to sound. The more detailed we are in our prompts, the better our results are going to be. But people then come to me and go, Larry, well, if I have to be that specific with my prompts, why waste the time in prompting? Well, you can either do it the first time or you can go through iterative prompts and build on it each time. Either way works, but that specificity and setting the tone and setting the expectations. If you're writing copy or you're writing social media posts, when you're entering that prompt, start off by telling ChatGPT who ChatGPT or what ChatGPT is. And it's the same with any of these large language models. Set the expectation. Tell it, you are an excellent copywriter. You understand everything there is about writing exceptional copy. Leverage your skills to write me a social media post about this. Be sure that you highlight this. And then tell my listeners to follow up here. 
So you can do everything that you want to do, and it's almost formulaic. It really is formulaic. You know, what do you want it to write about? How do you want it to write it? And then what do you want your call to action to be at the end? You plug in those variables and you'll get amazing answers. So I'm so glad that you talked about how you want to approach the computer and that it is kind of, so Anne Hanley, way back in February, I don't know if you're familiar with Anne Hanley. She's an amazing copywriter. She's like the chief content officer. She's cool. amazing. I love her. I'm a totally fangirling right now. But she said with AI to think of it as like kind of like the robot on your shoulder while you're still the yes. human at the keyboard. And I'm like, that's a great way of putting it. Like the robot can, robot can talk to you, but you have to be able to still type the right commands and still put the right output out there. One of the things that I've done, and I'm just curious on your sure. insights on this, Larry, is I've taken a lot, all of my blogs and social media posts and I've given them to ChatGPT and I've said, I would like you to analyze all these posts for the tone, the style, and all of the different things for it. And it will come back and I say, okay, tell me how these posts are written. And then I've saved that so that whenever I go back into ChatGPT, I say, this is the style and the tone and the personality I would like you to write this social media post in. Here you go. This is the topic. This is who it's for. But then it keeps my voice. It knows that I'm pretty playful and how I format it with each sentence being on its own line, that I don't have quotations and I'm not going emoji crazy. So what are your thoughts? Is that what you say? Generative? command things? Or? I mean, you can definitely use that term. All of this is generative AI when we're using any of these tools that generate responses. That's what the G stands for in GPT is generative. That's definitely what we're dealing with there. But there's a couple of different ways, especially now that we can approach what you're talking about. You can definitely fine tune a chat to sound like you. I have a chat that I use quite often and it's called Gary Alex Grant. It's a combination of the voices and tonality of Gary Vaynerchuk, Alex Hormozzi, and Grant Cardone. So when I'm writing social media copy, the combined voices of those three guys tend to sound like me when I talk, at least similar. It gives me pretty good response and at least a solid foundation for me to tweak a little bit and maybe sound a little less like Gary or a little less like Grant and a little more like Larry. But overall, the responses I get from that are amazing. So I use that same technique, but OpenAI realized, okay, a lot of people are trying to fine-tune their chats to sound more like them. What can we do to help the users? So just recently, they released what they call custom instructions. And just as of two days ago, they released custom instructions for all users, not just the GPT Plus users. So what this does, if you go down into the settings of your account, you'll get two text boxes. The first text box is all about you. You get 1,500 characters to tell ChatGPT exactly how you want it to sound in all of your responses. Then that second text box, you get an additional 1,500 characters that tells ChatGPT exactly how to respond. Should ChatGPT respond in lengthy answers or shorter answers? Should ChatGPT have an opinion or should it just state facts? These types of things allow you to not just apply this fine tuning to one chat at a time and have to reestablish it in every chat. It establishes it at the account level and these settings are taken into account for every post that you make. So that makes it a lot easier to have this custom tonality and these custom responses that are fine tuned to sound just like you. So 
we can make ChatGPT sound like ourselves. We can use it for emails. We can use it for writing books. We can use it for social media. We can use it for you know creating a website copy and you know giving us code if we wanted to build our own. Use it to create a website. I literally built a presentation, and you mentioned earlier that I do quite a bit of presentations and speaking. And I literally used it to write VBA code. So, for those of you that aren't familiar, it's Visual Basic Code, which is all of the Office platforms have VBA in the background. So, I had it write VBA code to build out a presentation. It literally built out the code to generate each and every one of the slides for a talk that I was doing. I mean, that's just crazy to me. I feel like, why is it now? Why is it 2023 that AI is becoming more mainstream? And like you said, 53% people still don't know what ChatGPT is. But a year ago, I remember sitting down with Deidre of one of the co-founders mm -hmm. of CapShow at Podcast Movement. And she was explaining to me about this new AI tool that she was trying to create for podcasters. And I was like, mm, I don't know about you, but I don't need a computer to help me with my stuff. Now, Deidre and I are, you know, great friends. I use CapShow for everything, my client onboarding. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid by the gallon, you know, <laughs> and everything I feel like has switched this year. So why is it all of a sudden that it's so mainstream and we're all kind of embracing it now, whereas before we really were kind of mm, a little bit more hesitant and it didn't seem like there were so many tools out there. Well, the tools were out there, but they weren't free to the public to use. So you had to be in the space. You had to be a developer. You had to be a programmer. You had to be some sort of big data analyst to understand the fact that AI was even in play. But once OpenAI released ChatGPT in November of just last year, we're only nine months into this experiment. That's it. But they released it to the public for the first time, and now everybody had the opportunity to start using it. So once people start using it, it was blowing their minds. And of course, it just took over like wildfire. So, you know, AI has been around for a long, long time. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. The term was actually coined in 1956 by a guy by the name of John McCarthy, who was a data scientist even way back then, where he felt that if we could use mathematic calculations to get machines to emulate humans, then we could build this artificial intelligence because it was all math-based. So very, very elementary type AI. But we saw kind of a stall for decades up until about the 80s and 90s when the military started getting involved going, oh, Maybe we could do this artificial intelligence stuff. And I mean, if you're old enough, and I know I'm dating myself here, if we think back to War Games starring Matthew Broderick back, I think it was 84 when that movie came out, we had some AI on display even then. And we didn't think anything of it. We just thought it was a computer, but that's what it was. It was AI. I mean, another Tron came out in, I think, 82. That was AI. So we had machines that were able to think and evolve on their own. Now we're starting to see some of the fruits of all this development, all this research, all this money that got poured into, well, when the military gets involved, you know what happens there. <laughs> so things have taken an interesting turn, but now the public knows about it. The public has access to use it for free, and it's just really changing the way that we look at the world around us. That's one of the things we've seen. It's always been kind of the thing of movies. And a lot of people, when it first kind of was coming out, there were, people were saying like, oh, this is just like Ready Player One. None of us are even going to be in this world anymore. We're going to have computers yeah. talking for us. We're going to be wearing our meta Oculus around to just live in these like 3D worlds and computers are going to be running our lives. 
do we have to be afraid of AI taking over our jobs? As a marketer, I know that I need to learn how to use this to the max because for marketing, it's a great assistant to have. It's a great sidekick. But if I don't know how to use it and I keep thinking, oh, well, a computer's never going to take over my job. It will. And I will be no, it'll be no different than the kiosks at McDonald's. There's no one standing there anymore to take your order. You order at the kiosk that has the little touch screen. So I have to say, yeah, I have to stay ahead of it. (laughs) I have to stay ahead of the technology and learn the technology if I don't want to become obsolete. What type of jobs do you think are going to be obsolete? And number two, who needs to really learn this tool the most to make sure that they're not going to be obsolete? Yeah, I think a lot of the jobs that really, I won't say threatened, but are going to see a distinct evolution in how they're conducted are the types of jobs that we see in the office. I had an interview not too long ago on a morning show here in Texas, and that's specifically what we were talking about. The interviewer made a point to point out that women were being displaced by AI more so than men. And I thought that was an interesting and rather sharp-edged question that I wasn't expecting (laughs) until I got there. (laughs) But if you stand back and you think about it, it's not so much that it's a gender-type scenario. It's industries. You know, if you look at marketing. If it, 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 most women, if you look at construction, if you look at the trades, not as many women are in those industries. And right now, those industries aren't going to be replaced by AI anytime soon. But any type of position where it's an administrative position, it's a customer service position, it's a content creation position, all of these, whether it's digital design, all of these things are evolving each and every day with these AI tools that are out there. You mentioned before that you're seeing some of these tools. LinkedIn, you mentioned, and I hadn't even heard that LinkedIn's coming up with its own image generator. I'm not as big on these image generation platforms as some people, just because I see what they can do, but what they can do is it applicable. If you go to a mid-journey or you go to a stable diffusion or you go to an Adobe Firefly and you use text to generate an image, how accurate is that image? And how can you use that image for your business? If you say, hey, paint me a picture of a mountain with some birds flying, yeah, it's going to paint an amazing picture of mountains with birds flying. But can you do something that's relevant to your business and then leverage the image output? I don't think we're quite there just yet. But from a customer service perspective, I can promise you that anybody listening to this has called into one big customer service at some point in time, and they've dealt with a chat bot. They've dealt with an AI bot of some sort. Those are the type of positions that are evolving at a faster rate than others. And those are the type of positions where it's not so much the AI itself that's going to take over, but it's the people like you and I that understand how to use AI that are going to take over the jobs. So it's up to us to equip ourselves to make sure that we don't start hanging out with a T-Rex over here and, and make ourselves become obsolete or prehistoric. That's how it's, that's where it's going. So we need to be aware of what's going on within our career and understand how AI fits into that job market. Oh man, Larry, this has been awesome. Obviously I need to get you on again, like in six months and how we, we can talk about how much things have changed just in the past six months. But uh, AI, they definitely will. It will. AI is changing super fast. It's just like social media. They're, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg, Elon, Bill Gates, they're always making updates to their little platforms, and that gives me plenty to talk about on a regular basis. But if you're not using AI in some regard or just tinkering with it, trying to learn about this technology, you will get left behind. It's just like a website 
back, I was going to say like back in 1990, but I don't know, were websites even out then? When the internet it was came around out. 90, <laughs> I literally just watched the, and I recommend this movie if you want a, a fun movie, The Beanie Bubble on Apple TV. I saw that. Uh, I, I didn't watch yeah, it. But I it was great. Okay. Yeah, it's a great movie. I didn't know this either, but Ty, you know, the creator of the Beanie Babies, were the first company to have a company website. And it was around 96 when they put that out there. So 96 was when people started jumping on the, the website bandwagon. It was all because of Thai Beanie Babies that we saw the first consumer-facing website out there. Well, yeah, that's interesting. And we can talk Beanie Babies another time because I was a Beanie Baby collector. <laughs> Fun fact. But this is the thing. If you're not using AI, in some regards, you have to start learning and tinkering with it. Seeing how you can use it to save time because... At the beginning, it is going to be like, why am I doing all this? It would have just been faster for me to just write the caption. But once you get in the flow, the computer knows your voice or the robot knows your voice. It knows what you want and you've built that rapport with it. It is going to expedite the whole content, the whole digital marketing, everything, the creation process. Use these tools as tools and don't be worried about them replacing you. Learn how to embrace them so that you can work faster and be more efficient. Larry, you have a podcast, Branded, which is an amazing podcast. You're speaking all over the world. If someone, tell us where to listen to your podcast. And if somebody wants to reach out to you to have them come in and speak at their business or their event, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Yeah, the best way, reach out on my website. That's great, redhatmedia.io. And if you want to check out Branded, which I highly recommend you do, me and my co-host Sarah Losi release every Tuesday morning. It's on every podcast platform out there. So whichever is your favorite platform, be sure to smash that subscribe button so we can continue helping you get branded each and every week. Amazing. Yeah. So you can listen to the, this episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing and head right on over to Branded because they're releasing a new episode too on Tuesdays. All right, Larry, this was amazing. It's always a pleasure sitting down with you. You are a wealth of knowledge. Next time, maybe we can talk podcasting a little bit, but there's just so much fun to talk about with AI and ChatGPT. Yeah. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on Rocky Mountain Marketing today. Thanks, Katie. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing. Make sure to subscribe so that you can continue navigating the world of entrepreneurship. And I'd love to hear from you. Please leave the show a review and connect with me on social media. You can find me on Instagram at I am Katie Brinkley or connect with me on LinkedIn. And if you're ready to start making some sales on social media, be sure to grab my free guide to selling in the DMs without being spammy. You can get that at katiebrinkley.com. Let's keep taking your marketing to all new heights.